According to the uh, Wu-Tang name generator, by the way, I'm B-Loved-Dominator. <laughs> That's not a good one, dude. Like, is this the Beloved same one? Dominator? We were, we were talking about if this was the same one that uh, Childish Gambino got his name from. It couldn't possibly be. Nah, dude, but if you made an album, it should be called, it should totally be called Immortal Beloved. Im- immortal? Come on, it, Be- Beethoven, really? You didn't get that? No, I didn't do it. I, like, I'm not a classical dude. Oh, yeah, there was a movie uh, about Beethoven, and it was, uh, it's based on his, uh, the person that he was infatuated with, and the name oh. of his Immortal Beloved. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it would have had a smarty art title there. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, Childish Gambino. He apparently, John Glover got his name from this. Uh, but we were talking about that's kind of funny because, like, nobody really says, yeah, like we were saying, nobody really says Notorious B.I.G. They usually say Biggie, right? And, like, and it's interesting is that, like, okay, so that's an acronym. What is that an acronym for? And, like, I don't know. I've just never thought about it before because, like you said, no one really ever says, yo, I'm listening to Notorious B.I.G. If they do, they'll say, I'm listening to Notorious or something like that. They don't say Notorious B.I.G. And, and no one ever says Notorious Big. <laughs> you know? I saw um, a couple forums because I was looking in some forums and on Reddit. Uh, one person uh, said that he explained it in the lyrics to a song, but I'm not sure which song. Other people's were saying it meant uh, business instead of game, and uh, I forget what the other ones were, but yeah, I don't know if there's like a definitive one out there, which I already know all the comments are going to be fucking calling us idiots and telling us exactly what it is, but we're not sure what it is at this exact moment. Yeah, dude, didn't you didn't you know it's, it's a belated intellectual genius or some shit? Yeah, right. But, duh. It was on his first song on the uh, EP that he did before he signed to P. Diddy. You're not real hip-hop uh, reviewers, you know. I got something for you. Very rarely do we do follow-ups, right? Yeah. I listen to bad. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay, so last week, if you weren't listening, we were ranking Michael Jackson albums and... You were mad that I would put Off the Wall ahead of Bad. Just between the albums Thriller, Bad, and Off the Wall. Mm-hmm. So, I listened to the album. I enjoyed it. I have a complaint, though. Okay, okay. He has got some really weird pronunciation on some of these songs. <laughs> and it takes me out of it, dude. Like, okay, so I, I think I said in the last show that uh, the, the Way You Make Me Feel is like one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. I think it's great. I don't know why it needs to go on for five minutes, though. <laughs> yeah, it, when, like when it feels like it's over, and then you hear the don't, 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 don't. It keeps oh, coming back. <laughs> and I don't know exactly how many times dude needs to say gong, girl, but he says it like 20 times in that song. <laughs> but, um... I re-listened to Speed Demon. Speed Demon's pretty good. I really like that that little bass thing we talked about last week. Oh, oh and I love I love how like right at the tail end you hear all of a sudden like 
right as it's fading out, all of a sudden the trumpets go crazy. They're like, like, why is this happening? Like when I can't hear it anymore. I hate that shit. It's like, yeah, like someone just like won a bet and they were like, fine, you could do it, but it's going to be during the fade out. (laughs) Um, so, um, a lot, a lot of these are really good. I really like just good friends. Oh, oh, and you were saying about his enunciation. So apparently, I, I don't know, my mom told me he, like, apparently, like, never uh, formerly learned how to enunciate, like, in in songs and stuff. Oh. So, like, that kind of explains, like, a uh, smooth criminal, you know, it's just like, so he does certain stuff for effect, but the thing is, it ends up kind of messing up the way certain things sound. Like, for example, Annie, are you okay? So, Annie, are you okay? And it's just like, what? Annie, are you okay? What? <laughs> See, those aren't even the examples that I thought of. Oh, what were you thinking of? So, in bed, the way he sa- he says, um, true. He's yeah? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, it's really... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's me, it's really... <laughs> like, that sounds weird. And it's like, in context of... I've already heard Thriller. I've already I've already heard Off the Wall. He wasn't doing any of this shit on either of those albums, so I'm wondering why he started now. But the main one I had a problem with, which is annoying because I really liked this song, Another Part of Me. Okay. The fucking um I recognized it from the Moonwalker uh video game, which for some reason it's in there. Hmm. Like in with all the other big hits. Which I never really thought of another part of me as a as like a big hit of his. At the time, it was yeah. Okay, but I think I know you're. I think you know what I'm going for here. The way he says "part" is just another part of me. Plata. Like, why is he doing that? <laughs> I started He's laughing, pushing dude. The I was driving of home. What it means to be a word, man. <laughs> Plata. Oh God, dude. It's so annoying when he does that shit. But no, for real. Uh, Bad's a good song, Way You Make Me Feel, Speed Demon. I was kind of on the fence about Liberian Girl. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't really make sense. And you kind of like come to that conclusion with a lot of the songs on like Bad, like Speed Demon. Doesn't really make sense. But it sounds so cool. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really wonder how they did that that bass effect because I don't know if someone can play that riff that fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bleh, you, you think, like, you think they maybe like slowed it down and he played it and then they sped it up again? I'm wondering if that was done on like a keyboard and that was like a sample. Oh no, yeah, no, that was probably totally a sample. Actually, now that I think about it, the way it sounds. Yeah, but uh, overall it was pretty good. Um, I would put it ahead of Off the Wall. Yes! <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't put it ahead of Thriller, though, but I don't think anyone expected me to do that. I got you, I got you. But um, you know what? I, I got one. I got one. <laughs> <laughs> All I need is one. Dude, and I forgot how, how much I like Man in the Mirror. It's a good-ass song. Man that, in the Mirror is a really good song. One, I think that was the only one that wasn't written by, like, him or, like, his team. It was, like, written by, like, some random other person, which is why it doesn't sound like the rest of the album, if you really, if you really paying attention. Um, and yeah, Smooth Criminal Dirty like Day, really and I don't even need to stylized. talk about those. That one sounds really, like, stripped down and simple, you know? Yeah, it sounds like, um... I don't, he has this weird 
like section of his catalog that are songs like that. Like um the the, the come the let's all come together and hold hands and I think that's kind of yeah. where it started, honestly. Yeah, like it, it reminds me of Heal the World. It reminds me of um I know this wasn't his song, quote unquote, but it really reminds me of um Oh god. Why can't I think of that song? Um We Are the World. Oh, he 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 wrote that one. He wrote it? Okay. I think it was him and Stevie Wonder wrote that one. Ah, okay. Speaking of just yeah. good friends, so, was so that a why, hit? So, so that's why that was that one wasn't a hit song. Oh my god, that I can't believe the, that. That was the only one that wasn't a hit single. Dude, that, and, I mean, I, I could see because it's a bit, I don't know, it's a bit goofy, and I can kind of see it not <laughs> catching on. But I liked it. But the funny thing is, that was the only one that didn't chart. And it was, like, with, like, one of the biggest artists at the time. Like, why would you not make that a hit single? Yeah, but how can you have like, a song by Michael Jackson featuring Stevie Wonder produced by Quincy Jones in 1987 and not chart? But even weirder, right after that album came out was kind of mm. when Stevie Wonder's, like, career as, like, a hit maker started dying down. Huh. Like, it's like Michael Jackson, like, took his career from him. <laughs> It was, and he knew, he knew that was coming. So he was like, maybe if I could do this album with Michael Jackson, it'll, it'll uh, rejuvenate my career. And then no, you look at his Wikipedia page and his discography is just year after year, hit after yeah. hit. Then it gets right? to 87, then 91, then 95, <laughs> then 2005, and that's like, it. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> he hit a fucking wall. Dude, hit the so off the wall like, wall. <laughs> so it's gonna be like you asshole he got into a car accident and he didn't want to do any music after that or something like that. And I mean the, the fucking ninety five, the ninety wait, the, yeah ninety one, yeah that, that was the fucking Jungle Fever soundtrack even. So oh, like yeah. that wasn't even like an album of his it was a soundtrack. Those are still good songs though. Yeah. Yeah. The when was the last time that they heard you say, mother? Oh, brother, I love you. I mean, he does it better than me, but. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked to. Huh? Me. Uh, is that from there? That might be from. Uh, it's used in that album, but they mm. also use. Uh, what's the name of the song? Living for the City. So it might have been kind of like a. They just used like the song. You know what I mean? Like sometimes they use songs from other albums that he did in there. You know what I mean? Oh. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, let me see. These three words. Yeah, okay, as far as I'm saying, yeah, that's on that album. Yeah, dude, oh, that's okay. almost fucking legit. I don't, I don't think we've ever really talked about Spike Lee um, too much. Oh my god, we haven't? Jeez, I don't think dude. we've ever talked about Spike Lee on this podcast. There was a time where I was, like, the biggest Spike Lee fanatic. Because, you know, he was kind of the only black filmmaker for the longest time. <laughs> It was like him, John Singleton, and, uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, from, like, the late 80s to the early 90s, there was maybe, like, a handful of, like, black directors that were, like, really, like, making big headway. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, now, of course, there are other black directors, but no one would, like, hit movies that people were talking about, like, every year. And every year, he had, like, a hit, man. Like, uh, he had, let me see. Because he was pumping them out, like, 
quick too. Like, yeah, he was, really was. Cause, cause there was like, uh, oh, they don't do album, they don't do uh, uh, movie orders like album orders for. Uh, I hate that they don't do that, dude. Wikipedia is all the time trying to fucking get donations, you know, to uh, to, to keep the site up and running. If if I knew that it would go towards putting movies in order from like in sequels they don't even do sequels like that <laughs> like if, if, if you're looking at like i don't know homeward bound right and you look at the little thing on the side it doesn't have homeward bound chronology you have to like look through the article for the sequel it's like why that doesn't even yeah, make sense yeah. you, you should okay. definitely have like spike lee filmography and you have the little list so he did uh there was school days that one kind of was like right before he really blew up. Then there was Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, and Jungle Fever. And so that was like three in a row that were just like explosive, like 89, 90, and 91. And then 92 was Malcolm X. Dude was fucking yeah. busy. Dude, <laughs> that was ooh, a long ass movie, too. <laughs> what's cool, like, I've never seen uh, She's Gotta Have It. Uh, something to, I, I hear frequently that you don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> See, what's funny was um, I was watching a video that was talking about, like, the production of School Days. Mm-hmm. And it was like, She's Gotta Have It made such headway and made, like, such a name uh, for Spike Lee that, like, they, they were basically like, anything you want to do, you can do it. Because, like, I'm looking at this. The, the budget... Was uh, was a hundred and eighty five thousand dollars? It made seven million. Whoa! I didn't know that. In in fucking eighty six, it made seven million dollars. Yeah, that's interesting because it's a fucking six million dollar hear, return. As as far as I hear, that's like his worst movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, that's what I always hear. So I I just never bothered watching it because I was just like. Okay, I'm just not gonna. Cause like, uh, watching School Days. School Days is a favorite of mine, but I realize where its faults are, and there are plenty. And then I'm just like, yeah, I don't like. I can't go backwards now to like the movie before. Like it's like with GTA. Like I played GTA Five. I can't play GTA Four again. You know? Oh yeah, I definitely feel you. In in a related thing, when um, when I got into the uh, Coen Brothers, and I watched a shit ton of Coen Brothers movies, and then it was like. Oh, I've never seen the first movie, Blood Simple. Yeah, Blood Simple, yeah. And then I went back and I watched it. And I was like, eh, this isn't a favorite. I like it, but I'm probably never going to watch it again. Exactly. Like, it's not like, that like, great. Like I said, yeah, you can't go back. <laughs> you really can't. <laughs> so this motherfucker had uh, uh, Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, Jungle Fever, and Malcolm X. This is four years in a row where he's had movies that were like, hit movies that were, you know, social commentary and all this shit. Then he has Brooklyn in 94, and, like, that was okay. Then he had Clockers in 95. I don't remember people talking that much about that one. Then Girl 6, which was... eh, Girl 6 was atrocious. Uh, Oh, I I don't even remember anything about that one. Yeah, That was the one where it's about, like, a girl who's, like, a phone sex line operator and she gets like stalked by a guy something like that it's whenever spike lee tries to handle like women's problems in particular it always feels like he kind of flounders at it 
Uh, <laughs> like, I, I'll just put it to you like this. We could benefit from a, uh, from a more female black directors talking about female black problems. I, I'll just put it to you like that. Uh, so I'm looking at the poster for uh, Girl 6. You would not know it was like a serious thing. You see this poster? Uh, oh, yeah, no. Six is, is for sex, period. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that's stupid. So oh, shit. Was... The fucking soundtrack was all Prince? Yeah, and they got a random Quentin Tarantino cameo. Which is odd, because didn't he, like... Ma- yeah, maybe not yet. Her. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought he had know. a problem with uh, Tarantino because he kept throwing the N-word around in his movies. Yeah, I-, I don't know how that works. Like, they apparently hate each other, but you're in my movie, but we still hate each other? Like, what the fuck is going on? I, then, I, I'm, I'm gonna say that maybe by 20, but maybe by 20, uh, why do I keep wanting to say 20? By, uh, 96, uh, Tarantino really hadn't pissed him off that much yet, because I think by uh, 96, um, he only had, like, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, uh, maybe. maybe Jackie Brown, which mm. is, by the way, in, in, in my, uh, in my movies I haven't seen from, like, famous directors, still haven't seen Jackie Brown, and that's, like, the only one of his I haven't seen. Uh, Eh, to me, it's not that great. Like, it goes on way too freaking long with stupid shit. Like, I like the 110th Street song and how it starts it, but it's just like, all right, is there a plot? And then it like, it's like you got Jackie Brown, cool. And so is it gonna be like about black exploitation? And it's like eh, kind of, but it mostly takes place in like this really rich neighborhood, and so it's not doesn't really work that way. And it's just it doesn't really. I don't know. It's it's stupid. It it's really stupid. Uh, hmm. There's like one or two good parts, like the part with Chris Tucker, the drug dealing thing, but for the most part, it's just kind of like him doing too much of the dialogue thing, if you know what I mean. Uh huh. You know what's funny? Like, Quentin Tarantino has kind of won the uh, culture war on that one, if you really look at it. Because, like, what was the last Spike Lee movie you really talked about? The last one I even really heard about was that uh, the documentary about Katrina. Yeah, even though he's done like a movie every year, Chirac was cool. Um, the more and more I think about it, though, the more and more I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that guy part was kind of dumb. Oh, wait a minute, that part was kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, oh, he did a I, Cat Williams, yeah, like I'm just comedy thing. What, what is that about? And why does God, it have that's two odd. colons? Cat Williams, colon, priceless, colon, afterlife, like what. <laughs> Don't they usually have one colon thing? Yeah, that, that's, that, that's weird. And uh, he did another was... one straight after that with another comedian, like he did them back to back. Huh. Yeah, he also directed uh, uh, The Kings of Comedy, which kind of like started, it kind of re-kick-started the uh, comedians in movies that play in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like that, that wasn't really like a thing for the longest time. Like, I think the last one was maybe like Eddie Murphy? Yeah, either Delirious or Raw. I forget which one came out second. Yeah, and then, uh, let me see. I know they Uh, used to do, like, prior things, but yeah, I don't think they did that shit. The last, like, big Spike Lee movie was... People talk about Miracle at Santa Ana, but they specifically talk about it being bad. No. Uh, uh... Oh, God, She Hate Me was fucking horrible. Horrible. Was that based uh, on the player from the um from the New York and New Jersey Hitmen, the the XFL team? 
with a guy who's named He Hate Me. Yeah, that was the name. That's what it's based off of. Okay, this is the. Oh. We might have talked about this before, actually. The plot of the movie is about this guy whose girlfriend turns out to be a lesbian and leaves him, right? Uh-huh. But she comes back to him because she's like, we want to get pregnant and you're the only person I trust. Like, oh. you know, that doesn't have any problems or anything like that. And so he has sex with her to get her pregnant. So his past girlfriend, who's now a lesbian, has his kids. It, it, wait, she's still having his kid. And then, like, the movie's like, uh, you know, she invites her other friends to be like, hey, yeah, let's uh, 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 let also our other lesbian friends who are really attractive have sex with them. And it's like, oh, it, I don't really see where the conflict is supposed to be in this movie. And, but, but then what happens is the, the women start getting less attractive. <laughs> and then, like, I watched, like, the DVD commentary, you know, just, <laughs> basically to be like, Spike Lee, fucking explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disposition. <laughs> and he, he go, and he's talking about the movie. Spike Lee, do you remember making this movie? Yes, I do. <laughs> I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so he's, like, talking about the movie, and then there's one part where, uh, they're like looking at the guy's body, and so you know it's in front. It's in front of all these women, right? And they're like, and he's like, okay. She, uh, she's like, okay, take off your clothes. He takes off his clothes, and he turned, and they're like, turn to the right and turn to the left, and you know they're looking at his body, seeing if he's good stock. And you know he's explaining, and he's just like, oh well, you know, I, wa- I just want you guys to know this is a, a in a this is an allusion to uh, slavery, you know, and how uh, black mm. people were kind of treated like that. Like stock, and I was just like, um, what? Why are you alluding to this? Why are you saying this? Like, do women treat us like chattel? That's not a thing. Like, what are you commenting on? You're just using this just because, like, like you know, uh, alluding to slavery is a big fucking deal, okay? And if you're gonna do that, it should be like for a purpose. You're trying to put up, set up the commentary that this black person is uh, is being treated like less than human and how it's historical in our American history that you see that happening. But black women don't treat like guys like chattel, at least not in a way that they have more power than men do. So where the fuck is this illusion coming from? Like, it didn't make any fucking sense. As soon as you said, you know, checking him over, making sure he's like, like grade A material or whatever, in my head I was like, well, wow, that that almost kind of sounds like like an auction block, like when people used to buy slaves. In no way did I think he ought to put that in the movie. Yeah, like, like it's just like th- because a, I'm sure that is not a prevalent thing, and I can't gone. imagine like it, I, I picture him just like writing the scene and just he thought that in his head, and then all of a sudden was like, there it is, that's the moral of the movie. And everyone's like, what? I, I thought this was just like a funny little, like, no, 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 no. No. This <laughs> needs to be the, the thing. Is, this the, is the uh, head scratcher. This is the thing piece. Black men like meat. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> My question is, is like, is that a systemic problem? Like, maybe, like, I've never heard true. of that. Yeah, like, it might be true that uh, some black women out there that are fucked up treat guys like meat, but that's not something that's held black men back in history. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, if they would just stop uh, sexualizing us and start taking us seriously, we could make some great strides. At- no! <laughs> That's never been a problem. 
<laughs> I, you know I feel I mean? like he's grabbing at straws, and at that point, he could have made a much stronger message if he would have been talking about women being sexualized, because that is a thing. Yeah, exactly. You know what it would have been better? If he would have been treating them like that. Like, I'm not going to inseminate someone that I don't think is worthy of my genes, so I'm going to you know, look at their bodies and be like, hmm, am I attracted to this? And have, like, a crew of guys that are going to be with me, you know, objectifying them. Like, that would have been a cool way to flip the message, right? Because, like, yeah, that is a thing that, that we treat women like that. That is a systemic problem in our society. But it's like, guys don't really get objectified by women, at least not in a way that's, like, holding them back from, you know, doing what they want to do in life. You know what I mean? Hmm, Unless yeah. you're a model, like specifically, in that specific, like worldview. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I had a similar phase when I was really really into stuff, and I just wanted to see a good bit of his films. So I started early on. I started with School Days, though. I didn't uh, I didn't start with She's Got to Have It because I never heard anyone back, say man. anything positive about it. <laughs> um, and I liked it enough. What I noticed about some some of uh his earlier films i hate the way he ends them yes yes the, the, the okay, ending of school this. days the ending <laughs> of of jungle fever annoyed me oh my god okay okay just, uh, no! we gotta we gotta talk about this shit okay school days fucking after all this shit first of all like halfway through it becomes a musical what the fuck is that about <laughs> yeah, either you start with that shit, or, you know, do it the whole way through. Don't fucking sneak that in. Yeah, you don't just randomly interject, uh, let's make a lighthearted song about good and bad hair and talk about how, you know, dark-skinned women are referred to as, uh, you know, ugly and light-skinned women are uppity. And it's like, and I get that, like, that's the whole thing, is he, you know, you can have a, a discussion about that. But, like, when you make it into a jaunty musical number, it, it kind of makes it feel like a joke. <laughs> like, there, there are deep, systemic, you know, uh, and racial problems that are, that are between light-skinned women and dark-skinned women women. Let's sing about it! Dude, 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 Like, no, this wasn't the moment to do that, dude. Before, before we get to the ending, there's one more thing I wanted to say about School Days. Uh. So, because he made this big smash with She's Gotta Have It, which I have no idea anything about... He got school days. Um, in this film, it uh, there was a budget of six point five million, made fourteen. Still, v did very well. Why this movie? Why did they need to film the music video for the butt <laughs> during during the filming of school days? <laughs> Is it appropriate? Like I understand school days is, as Wikipedia refers to, a musical comedy drama. <laughs> but then you look at the music video for Debut by, what is it, EU? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, all these people wearing School Days shirts, and you got Spike Lee getting in there, and it's like, I don't... Does this fit? It feels like it's out of nowhere. You, you, you want to know why, dude? Because he had, he had to have something... That 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 moved the culture as well as made it think, you know. Ah, okay. You see, he was thinking smart, man. You, you okay, can't, you can't just come in with deep philosophical messages. You have to you have to start them off 
Because, you know, basically, he realized what music videos were. They were promotional material. That's basically what they are. Yeah. And so he used a lighthearted, stupid, silly number about butts. Dude, he saw it, he saw it coming before fucking uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot did. If you talk about butts, man, you're going to have a hit. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. This came out in 88. I think that beat Sir Mix-a-Lot by at least two years. Yeah, uh, his was like 92, actually. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Fucking Sir Mix-a-Lot was actually late to the party on that. <laughs> on the Fascinating. So, you know, like, that, that, that's, my, uh, that's my excuse for why that happened. Fair so, enough. So we I'll get allow to, it. <laughs> so, you, we get to uh, the ending of the movie, right? And it's just like, after all this, he's just like, yeah, how are we going to end this? You have this problem with this character, and this problem with this character, this person, uh, you know... Uh, what was that whole thing about, like, the guy with the part in his head? He was like, eh, my girlfriend, uh, Tisha Campbell, slept with Spike Lee. I hate her now, even though I set her up to sleep with him. I don't know what my character motivation was. <laughs> it was really stupid. I-, I think the point was to show that, like, abusive people treat people like, I don't know. I- it was weirdly contrived. Anyway, so you have all these things. You're just like, how are these people going to get out of these messes? And then... Uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character, right? He, uh, he, and he has flaws of his own, you know? Th- there was actually this whole, uh, thing. The one thing I like about Spike Lee movies is that it talks about, you know, stupid people who ain't woke yet, but it also talks about quote unquote woke people themselves and how even they have their own hangups. Like, you know, she's like, Are you dating me? Uh, his girlfriend's like, Are you dating me just because? I'm darker skinned and you feel like I'm like still a status symbol at the end of the day. And it was like, wow, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Let's get into that. And then at the end of the day, he just runs through the campus and says, wake up. <laughs> and then everyone just wakes up out of bed and they just walk towards him. And they're like, ah, we get it now. And then he just looks at the camera and just like, please wake up. They're like, what? This is a fucking PSA all of a sudden? What the fuck is happening? And then it just ends. It's like, wait. <laughs> that was one of the most pompous, presumptuous endings. It was like, you're really not even going to try to tie up any of those loose ends, are you? He's <laughs> just like, we got somebody's got to do something about this. I mean, because I, I, I didn't have any answers. <laughs> Someone's got to wake him up. Yeah. So that's that movie. You know, we, we shit it on that. So then we got... <laughs> Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Which actually, that one had a good ending. Uh, that was the uh, the jarring ending that he did that I actually like appreciated. It it was one of those films where it's like, you know, after you be all of this violence and all of this shit, and then it's just like, what the fuck do we do now? And then you get two quotes from uh, one from Malcolm X and one from Martin Luther King saying completely opposite things about what violence is, and and then you have just the picture of them, like, you know, the one picture Malcolm and Martin have together where they're like, you know, uh, shaking hands and like, you know, happy and looking at the camera. And it's just like, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> like, one is just saying, like, violence is bad. And anytime you use it, it's horrible. And he makes a great case. Then Malcolm X is like, well, I, I mean, if you're using it to defend yourself, I would call violence intelligence because, like, you know, you're a fool to just get pushed around your whole life. And he doesn't give you an answer on whether or not which one is right or which one is wrong, he just goes like, dude, what the fuck do you think? And just ends it there. That's probably the best ending he's ever done. 
like ever 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 and then we got fucking jungle fever which is like <laughs> this whole issue okay about interracial dating and it's just like boom okay you get you got this issue and it and it takes two stories and what i like about this movie is that you have uh and, and that's what i think is really genius you, there are actually two stories one of them doesn't get, really get talked about as much it's about the white guy uh there's one about the minor story is like this white guy is dating this black woman and they're actually interested in each other and it shows how like their relationship gets torn apart because of like the racist fucking dad who uh, wait excuse me wait hold on no yeah yeah it's the yeah. racist dad but i think they end up staying together at the end don't they i think so yeah because they're like you know we legit love each other but then you have uh um uh Wesley Snipes' character who is married has a child and cheats on his wife with this person who happens to be white now the right, thing yeah. that I thought was going to be the message of the movie was that it's like, look, see, here's the here's how interracial relationships can work. You see the this white guy and this black girl and they like each other because they like each other. They're fucking human beings. People are going to like each other no matter what race created. Now, if you look over here at this relationship, this is fucked up, not because she's of another uh, not because she's of another race. But because he's already fucking married, that should be the big problem. You are married to someone, you cheated on her, it doesn't matter what her fucking race is, you're an asshole. But, but, the reason why he did that was partially because of his attraction to her based on race. You see, and I thought the movie was trying to do like, this is the dichotomy, there are people who are attracted to each other regardless of race, and then there are people who are attracted to each other, like, strictly because of it. And like the message could be like, hey, it's OK to date interracially as long as you're doing it because you actually love them and not because you have uh, an eroticization of their culture. Right. Mm. And maybe that was what he was going for. But the ending of the movie made no goddamn sense. He's just like walking through. Uh, he's walking with his kid to the to, to go to, to go to school. And, you know, he's separated from his wife now. And she's like, uh, uh, the girl's like, Daddy, are you ever going to be together with Mommy again? He's like, I don't know, Cindy. I don't know. I, I forgot her name. I just said Cindy. I, I don't know, Cindy. I don't know. And then, like, this crackhead comes up to her and uh, comes up to him. And he's just like, uh, and it's Halle Berry from earlier in the movie. He's just like, hey, I'll suck your dick for crack. And I get uh, there's something happens where it turns out to be, like, his daughter. And he just grabs her and holds her close and the camera zooms in from really far away and he just goes no <laughs> and then it just fades out and that was jungle fever like what the fuck was that what do they have to do with anything <laughs> i think it's weird because jungle fever i i really i remember really liking jungle fever I remember not liking it as much as do the right thing because i think in my opinion do the right thing was probably my favorite of his yeah, movies definitely. i've seen but yeah, this this was also the movie where they also crammed in the uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character uh, character 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 <laughs> is is the crackhead. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's another plot thread. It's like, do we need Gator this? Loves crack. Sure we got a pretty Gator. loaded movie. <laughs> yeah, and his fucking father just like shoots him. Yeah, well, he's better off dead. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was fucked up too. It really but was, dude. Apparently there was a thing where actually Samuel Jackson was like on crack and he cleaned himself up. Oh, like wow. right before he did this movie. So this was kind of like, like this was real life to me, you know? Wow. So 
the silliness of his character comes from a reality for him. It feels so, like they should have split those movies in two. They could have been two different movies. Like two really good you're ones. Making, you're making a movie every year. <laughs> you could have made one more. <laughs> That's true. And, and and that ending with the, the, the crackhead thing, it could have been a joint movie thing. Like one movie is about uh, another aspect of this guy's life and another movie is about another aspect of this other guy's life who happens to be related to him. That would be cool to do like an in-universe. That, that could have been the first time someone like really did that. Like an in-universe uh, thing where it's just like, this movie's about this. And this other movie is tangentially related, but it's not directly related to what it's about. Mm. Wouldn't that be cool? Like you follow this guy who happens to be his brother going through a life about crack. And this guy is going through this interracial relationship problem. You could have uh, separated them, made two complete thought out movies. And maybe that ending with the no could have gotten the crackhead movie. Cause I don't know what the fuck it has to do with interracial dating. Like what, what was he saying? If you uh, cheat on your wife, your daughter is going to be a crackhead. Sorry. That's just the way it is. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I, I just rewatched that. As you were talking, and yet it's just as stupid as I remember it. I, I never saw Mo Better Blues, and we skipped over that one. Did how, how was the ending of that one? Oh, did Mo Better Blues end? All, 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 all I'm immediately remembering right now is that one fucking part where Spike Lee, with this shitty ass acting, is going like, "I won't sell it. I, I won't sell it." <laughs> what? We're like the fucking um. So, uh, Denzel gives up, uh, he gives up, uh, playing, uh, trumpet, and he hands it to Spike Lee's character, and he's like, dude, just fucking sell it, I don't care, because something, he gets into a fight where his, uh, lip gets busted, and it busts the cleft that makes your lip able to, um, make vibrations, basically, and so, since he can't do that anymore, he's like, you know, I'm worthless to the world, like, I can't play music anymore, and... You know, this is like really deep moment because he's like, fucking his life is gone right now. And Spike Lee is going like, you know, the point that he's trying to say is like, I still believe in you as an artist. I'm not going to sell this instrument. But he's just, the way he says it is just like, I won't sell it, Bleak. I won't sell it. Ugh. <laughs> like, Dude, stop. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I was watching back. I have the sound off, obviously. But the, um, the racial stereotypes uh, scene in um, oh, Do, Do the yeah. Right Thing. Oh, that's my fucking favorite part, honestly. <laughs> that fucking zoom in on Spike's face, though. You should see how awkward, awkwardly, like, nervously blinking he is. Dude, Spike Lee is the most awkward fucking... He's horrible. He's a horrible actor. He ruins all of his own movies. God damn it. Stop ruining your own movies, you dumbass. <laughs> Everyone else in this scene is great. Uh, the, 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 uh, the Korean shop owner, the cop, everyone's great. John Turturro, who I'm now realizing is in a shit ton of these fucking Spike Lee movies and Coen Brothers movies. There's a little crossover. Um, yeah. they're all great, but fucking Spike Lee just zooms in on his face and he's just like, ah, ah, ah. He's just doing that nervous blink. It's like, oh my God. Also, Samuel Jackson is in like every Quentin Tarantino movie and every Spike Lee movie. How does that work? In effect, what was that? Um, that one movie. Oh, not Summer of Sam. But oh, 25th oh my hour. fucking god, dude! Oh, tw what? I love Twenty Fifth Hour. Dude, I watched that recently. That movie's great. It's all about this white guy, <laughs> and it 25th completely humanizes his character. I almost forgot that that was a fucking Spike Lee movie. That's that's that might be my favorite Spike Lee movie. I really yeah. fucking like that one. That movie's fucking incredible. 
and it's all about this guy who's just I mean he's totally an asshole. Oh yeah, definitely an asshole. <laughs> but you know, you see like what he's going through in his life and did his uh girlfriend rat him out and how will that affect the way he acts and this and the third uh and then there's Summer of Sam. That was a Was that good? Was that one good? Summer yeah, of Sam. Good. Summer of Sam. Huh? Huh? I was just going to say Summer of Sam was during this uh during this region or span of time when I was buying these Spike Lee movies, I bought Summer Sam mainly because I'm very fascinated in that whole Son of Sam thing anyway, and like the murder mm. mysteries and all that. That was, I was on the phone with Dylan, I'm going to mention him two weeks in a row, and Dylan can attest because I've retold this story a few times. I was on the phone with him when he called, when he, when he called me when I was watching the movie. I was so mad and so frustrated that I ejected the DVD out of my DVD player and I threw it against the wall. Are you serious? I fucking hate that movie. Wait, why do you hate that movie? Oh, well, okay. There was the dog. That was kind of stupid. Hell! <laughs> no, besides that. The movie's Dude. fucking boring as shit and doesn't even have hardly anything to do with the fucking murder mystery. It's just these boring fucking couples and fucking John fucking Legazamo sucks in that movie. I, I think it was supposed to be like any of these people could have been the killer and the movie would have been a lot better if like they didn't give away who the killer was. I think like, it was just like how the whole murder thing, how would it affected this city yeah. or whatever. And I just couldn't fucking give less of a shit about any of the people in the movie. And I was just well, waiting what? for something to happen. So yeah, it was just, I just got mad and I fucking, I never even saw like the second half of it. Well, like, so who knows, maybe movie, it picked up. Yeah, like, the point of the movie could have been, you know, the, uh, how the, uh, paranoia affects people, you know, and, and like I said, if they hadn't revealed who the fucking killer was, basically, near the beginning of the movie, because you see the guy, and he's, like, in the fucking, you know, room, and the fucking dog, <laughs> you have to kill people, you have to kill people, kill, I'm a dog. He's like, are you fucking serious right now? Like, and, and, not... and do you know who did the voice of the dog? Yeah. John Totoro. John <laughs> that, that's what you have John Totoro doing. Doing that horrible Pee Wee Herman voice for a dog. And it's like, he's not even... <laughs> Fuck this. Okay, never mind. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Dude, and, he, and here you go. Budget, 22 million. Box office, 19. <laughs> One of the few that actually that took a loss. Dog. Kill. Yeah, yeah, you gotta kill your parents. <laughs> his, his, the dog's mouth looks so bad. Okay, so we were gonna talk about the Michael Jackson song, right? Which one? Uh, I'm oh, sorry, this is when we were talking about Michael Jackson. There's this one song, it was like an hour ago. Uh, Just about, yeah. One, there was this one song that he did. Uh, you know, I'm usually down for the, I'm Michael Jackson and I'm making a serious song now songs, right? But there's one song that I always had a problem with. Now, Invincible is a dope ass fucking album that people forget about all the fucking time. See, uh, you, you caught a lot of flack, and I know you don't give a shit, but you caught a lot of flack in the comments section over last week's episode of people telling you that, saying that Invincible was shit. Did I say Invincible was shit? No, 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 they're saying that Invincible was shit, and, and they're, they're um, loudly disagreeing with you as if it matters. Oh, man, you, y'all hate us. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude. Uh, threatened, whatever happened, lost children, 
great tunes. Fucking heaven can wait. Man, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> I oh, is that one bad? This. No, no, no. I'm saying it's so good. Get the fuck out of my face. How can you hate on this? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. But, but. Oh, I'm even noticing the first track uh, features no uh, Notorious Big. <laughs> the Notorious Big. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, did you hear about the, the reason why he calls himself, like, Biggie Smalls, even though technically his, like, signed commercial name is Notorious B.I.G.? There was something about, like, there was another person actually named Biggie, like, oh. that actually had the name first, and so he couldn't technically use it, because since that person was also, like, a rapper... You know, oh uh, yeah, we got. The, although the funny thing is, nobody can tell me who the fuck that is. Like, I couldn't find a song from this guy to save my life. Like, because I tried to look it up, and I find that really funny. This is like I can't use this name because this other guy has it, but no one's gonna know who the fuck this other guy is anyway. This is really like that's gotta really piss you off, you know? Like, I'm leaving a bigger legacy than this guy, but I can't use this fucking name because <laughs> this asshole has it. You know, there's another instance of that, uh, the band Blink-182, when they originally started, they were just going by Blink, but there was another band called Blink, so they added the 182. No one can tell you fucking shit about Blink. <laughs> I'm gonna try to find it now. Who The original Biggie Smalls. And the original Big. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find this, because I remember trying to look it up before, I was just like... Where the fuck is this? Uh, let me see. No, this is from the movie. The original Biggie Smalls, Calvin Lockhart, star of State and Screen, whose name of Biggie Smalls it was in the 1975 film, Let's Do It Again. Yeah, but that's not... I thought there was, like, another rapper named Biggie Smalls. Yeah, the most I can find is uh, the other Biggie Smalls name was already in use. Okay, what about that guy? <laughs> like, it's already been in use by this guy who's not really using it anyway. <laughs> it feels like those people who buy domain names just to oh, like. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, if you want it, uh, you know. It, or if someone beats you to a Twitter handle. Uh huh. Let me see. Uh, later in the year, he gained exposure on. He recorded under the pseudonym Notorious B.I.G. He recorded in the name for the remainder of his career after finding the original moniker Biggie Smalls was already in use. By who? <laughs> this guy just disappeared into the annals of time? <laughs> that really sucks, because I imagine it was probably like, you know, you really don't want to disrespect the guy because you don't know what he might do, you know? You don't know if there's, like, some possible rap beef, you know, someone's gonna come after you, oh, which, yeah, I mean, yeah. ultimately happened anyway, but... <laughs> and to add to the confusion, to add to the confusion, there was apparently, like, one of those songs where Tupac made, like, a song where he was, like, peace to big or something like that, because there was, like, he was talking about that guy instead oh. of, like, yeah. Come <laughs> on. Like, Dude, you did that shit on purpose. <laughs> yeah, you were just trying to confuse people. That's bullshit. <laughs> no, but uh, which uh, which Michael Jackson song is bullshit? Okay, so uh, and my mom's in the room now, so this is gonna. I I, I don't know how she's gonna feel about this. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so I forgot you were at home. 
<laughs> There's this one song on the Invincible album called Cry, right? Okay. And, you know, usually I'm like, when Michael Jackson makes the, like, really sad, let's all hold hands and sing this song together on the chorus thing, like, I'm usually with it. Like, I'm not gonna lie, you know? Mm. But it was just like, the moral of the song was weird. And it was just like, you can change the world. You can touch the sky. You're the chosen one if we all cry at the same time tonight. And just, <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen if we all cry at the same time. Like, what? How, how I, are you going to coordinate that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that's possible if we all happen to just be crying at the same time. We're all going to go to that same sad place and cry <laughs> in unison. Yeah, it's just, I, I just don't, it just doesn't work. <laughs> the marvelous Mike, who says, let's all cry on three. <laughs> One, two. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm sorry. I start, like, is it one, two, three, cry, or one, two, cry? <laughs> oh my god, all right, for the fifth time, it's one, two, three, cry. They made a music like, video for this song. Yeah, it was a whole bunch of people holding hands and shit. Are they crying at the same time? Uh, no, they're not, actually. Well. It, it would have worked if they would have. They can't even commit. Been, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's just like, it just felt like the, the resolution <sighs> was a little too, um, not gonna do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we all cry, we'll, uh, uh, <laughs> like, I just don't understand how that was gonna help. <laughs> like, oh, man. if we all talk to each other or something like that, just just crying by itself. I just, I don't know. You wouldn't believe it, but comments have been disabled for this video. <laughs> and then, and then it's like, I, I don't know, is he playing God in the final verse? He's like, when the flag blows, there'll be no more wars. And when all calls, I will answer all your prayers. Like, wait, are you, are you God? <laughs> Why will you answer all of our prayers? Huh. And then, oh, now they're all and, dancing. And then the funny thing is, at like the tail end of the song, right? Uh -huh. It's like, you can change the sky. I can't do it by myself. I'm gonna need somebody to oh, cry with me. Hold on, I don't need it. You listen to the song, he actually says it like that. And then it's just like, yeah, everything's gonna change if we all just cry at the same time, whatever the fuck. And then, you know, you hear the tonight, and boom, you hear the final thing, and then he just goes, change the world. Like, uh, <laughs> right before the song breaks out, just like, hey, boo. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt boo, so corny, boo. like a last second, just, change the world. <laughs> we'll all boo at the same time. <laughs> Hold on, I, I gotta hear this. We we can get him off the stage. I can't do it by myself. <laughs> Hold on, I I gotta hear how this fucking song. I need to hear his. <laughs> like, like he's like he's trying to get out of a seatbelt that won't like unlock. <laughs> like, no, That's totally the sound. Like he's fucking um um uh like he's Joe Pesci in Home Alone. <laughs> Oh, you, you must have freshen, freshen, freshen. 
<laughs> and they both had their heads set on fire, so how about that? Oh. <laughs> Was that one of the pranks Macaulay Culkin pr- played on the fucking set of the black and white music video of Michael Jackson? He fucking had the, the, the blowtorch set in a doorway. Yeah, that's fucked up, yo. <laughs> they have a lot in common, dude, that's all I'm saying. Change the world. Uh. <laughs> right? It's so corny. Just, that uh. is so incredibly lame. That did not need to be there. Boo. <laughs> Can't cry on demand. No. Yeah, that really is demanding a lot. Man, we, we have got to. Got to, got to. Because we have been putting it off for way too long. I was not expecting us to be going on this long. I honestly legit was just like, oh, I don't have anything to say. Or we're just going to talk about the album this week. And then you fucking brought up Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah, this is the second week in a row, because last week we were going to start with J. Cole, and then we just started talking about more interesting things. <laughs> and then I completely forgot. No, I'm saying we've been putting this off for weeks, not even just today. Yeah. This fucking album came out weeks ago, and we're just now getting around to it. So, uh, if you you haven't guessed already, if you aren't aware, we're talking about Awaken My Love, the third studio album by Childish Gambino, which is... which is weird. Um, I gotta say something, and this is a... this is a callback to all the old-school off-goers, because this is something I haven't said on this show since... man... Since probably the first year, okay? I didn't listen to the whole album. No. I couldn't do it. No! It's so fucking bad. Oh, okay, okay. We're gonna have to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, this album is so bad! Uh Uh-uh, no. No way! Come on! Oh my god. Stop it! You did not enjoy this album. Uh... Yo, alright, you say yo shit. <laughs> Dude, I have barely anything to say! What track I, did I, you I'm, get I'm to? gonna quote you, okay? Because it's a term that you created during our uh, live going off podcast when you said that Charlie Puth has a way of making you just want to listen to, you know, an original whatever. This just made <laughs> me want to listen to good funk shit. Because I felt like I was wasting my time. Like, this isn't memorable. This wasn't impressive in any way to me. This felt like... And I I have such a weird, conflicting feeling because as the podcast who was known in the early goings for not being able to go a week without talking about Childish Gambino, I am two for two giving shit reviews for Childish Gambino releases. Because this album reminded me a lot of uh, Stone Mountain in the way of it's clearly something he just really wanted to do. Like I said last week, it feels like a passion project, and I'm not taking that away from him. But it's just not for me, dude. Like... Mm, I, I, ugh, it, it was a chore for me to get through this. Like, I listened to two, three tracks at a time, I had to take a break. I had to listen to other shit, because I was not having fun. It's, 
this isn't this is not his thing dude like gambino is really impressive he's a really great artist this shit just did not fucking do it for me like some of these songs are just boring they don't go anywhere like the instrumentation's cool the production is really good like it sounds great but just some of these fucking songs like six plus minutes of just like uh, all right there was maybe one song on here that I thought I that I thought was cool, and even then, it was only like a half of it. Which one? I don't even remember. These fucking bled together. I couldn't tell you one from the other. Um, I think it might have been. Oh Jesus. Uh, I think it might have been Redbone. Maybe. Hmm. Dude, for for real, like two and a half for me. Wow. I I hated it. I fucking oh, hated it. Okay, so your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Have so, at it. Uh, so going into this album, uh, when I heard the, I heard the me and your mama first, <clears throat> then I heard the red bone. And I was like, okay, so he's gonna do Parliament, like, and listening to this album, he's playing dress up in a way, right? Yeah, that's basically what it is in this music. It's like, hey, I really like Parliament, and I wanted to make a Parliament album, right? Mm. And and that's what I get through his voice. And, like, it feels more like he's doing a, a voice acting thing because, you know, each song he's doing, like, a different weird voice, and California is the worst of them. She want to go to California. Oh, yeah. And, like, it feels like someone who heard the parliament albums and wanted to do each individual voice you know that you heard from them <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and so like through that it kind of makes this album derivative in a way and i hate that um cuz you know like i i feel what he was doing he was trying to do like hey kendrick lamar did the funk thing so i'm going to kind of do it too but the difference was he did a fusion of things and that that's what made the that's what gave it a different sort of energy. Like it wasn't just derivative. He's just doing P funk again. It was he's doing P uh, he's doing P funk with hip hop with jazz and all these elements. It expounded upon. I mean, it, it expanded upon the genre. This feels like he's more playing in the waters of a past genre, right? That being said. I really like Parliament. <laughs> mm. And, you know, I'm kind of fiending for new music from them. <laughs> and so, like, if you like Parliament, like I do, I think you will fully enjoy this. I think every song you're going to be like, but that sounds like this, but that sounds like this, but that sounds like this. But I think if you're just someone who's like, but in... And that sounds like this, but in 2016, if you're someone who just wants more music, but to have it sound more current, like, I love the idea that this could bring people back to Parliament. Because, like, mm. like I said, I fucking love Parliament. They're, they're one of the greatest bands ever. Uh, Parliament and Funkadelic. And I just love the idea, I think, of this being a transition, uh, uh, not a transition, but uh, a sort of gateway music for people in a new generation to sort of go back to that. Um, interestingly enough, I played this music, like, uh, 
I was over at a friend's house. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, I played this album mixed with Parliament songs mm-hmm. to see if he could tell the difference. <laughs> and whenever it was Parliament, he knew it was Parliament. But whenever it was Gambino, he wasn't sure. <laughs> so, so I was like, huh? I'm just going to ask you, and I'm seriously asking this. So, as a Parliament fan, you were listening to this album, and it reminded you of Parliament. At any point, did it just feel like, like, kind of cheap? Like, this is like Parliament, but I'd kind of just rather listen to Parliament? Or did this kind of temporarily, so to speak, fill the void for for wanting new parliament like was this sufficient in if this was like this is parliament now in not even like in the context of this is the new gambino album like would this satiate your appetite or what it or would it feel like man this was good but i'd rather just listen to what was already available uh i i it's the, i think it's more the second thing you said where it's just like i if you love parliament you just gotta hear more you're never gonna be fully convinced that this is the new generation of p-funk but it i feel like this album really breathes and is alive Mm. um i feel like it goes to a lot of different places i I didn't feel like it was complacent um at first i didn't like the me and your mama but the more i listened to it the the more i wish it would have gone on longer like for me p-funk is something that just continues to groove a lot of their songs are like six to nine minutes yeah and that's what i actually wanted these to be longer i wanted there to be less of them and i wanted it to be each individual song to be longer Mm. uh like for instance riot was two fucking minutes and you could hear the fade out and it was like um there's obviously more that needs to happen why did you stop um meanwhile i feel like the me and your mama the first part could have been cut a little shorter Cause like it, it was like after the first minute, I kind of felt like okay, I feel like we should be saying some different l- lyrics now. Like mm. these lyrics aren't that catchy, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but the "Let Me Into Your Heart," dude, that was fucking explosive. Like especially with the time signature change, the "Let Me Do 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 Do," and then the "Do." Wait, it was like uh, in do ya, and then the three four, and then it was just like. Uh, like just the amping up of it and then the release was really cool to me so i don't know i i I enjoyed uh most of me and your mama uh and then have some love kind of felt a little that one was the one that felt the most kind of derivative where it was just like i'm just doing everything is on the one you know or the blow the roof off the mother sucker you know what i mean mm. with the the 80 people singing on the chorus thing that was the one i felt was the most derivative um but boogeyman was where it shined the most see i consider childish gambino to be a really intelligent dude right so i felt like if he was going to come with these sort of songs he's going to do it but in a way that brings like a new sort of message or a new sort of flair to it and boogeyman was i i felt the smartest uh, uh of those iterations because it's about being perceived as evil you know just because you're uh of a certain you know background or race because you're black you know <laughs> and so it's just like you know you think i'm the boogeyman that i'm gonna 
uh kill you but you know like you want to kill me because of that you know the who's the real monster yeah uh <laughs> but like that was the, the I, that was childish gambino and p-funk at its smartest moment that was where it was it was crazy and fun but it still has a message at the end of it um zombies was kind of cool it was in the same way of like you know just a general message of like people are not really thinking anymore and they want to get you and but not in a way that they want to kill you. They want to profit off of you and make you just someone who's going to re regurgitate the same shit. Like, I like music that can kind of say that, uh, ha have a fun feel and still have like a message. If you look back at the lyrics, you know, um, once again, Riot could have gone to more places. I felt like there, I felt like there was like a whole fucking orchestral part that could have happened. And it just didn't. And it didn't really go anywhere with that one. Uh, Redbone, I thought I wasn't going to like. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie, I think I wasn't gonna like it just off of the title, just like, dude, like, are we still doing the whole, like, oh, a girl who's light-skinned is more attractive than a dark-skinned girl, like, yeah. like, we off that shit. Um, but, listening to it, I was just like, ah, damn it, I like it. <laughs> and I, I, he didn't make, like, a thing about it, you know, it's not like the song was about, ooh, I love your light skin so much, you know, like, I thought it was gonna be more like that, and I was, it was gonna be like, uh, I don't need to hear this shit. Um, but uh, the, what was I going to say? The, oh, yeah. This was the first song, I think, that really sounded like Childish Gambino does funk in the year 2016. Um, every, uh, most of everything else, like I said, though I enjoyed it, it still felt like he was putting on, uh, he, he was being a P-Funk cover band. You know what I mean? And like I said, I still like that, but <laughs> I, I felt like it, it, the beats by themselves were not lacking enough. Yeah, I can't even call them beats. The fucking grooves were were consistent enough where they fit. But I feel like his um, his delivery felt slightly derivative at a lot of points, except for Redbone. And I know that was supposed to be going for a Prince feel, but I, I still felt like it was still the, the voice was so uniquely him that I could have gone for more of that, honestly. Um, every song felt like he was trying out different voices to see what fit, but I felt like, like, this was like, okay, this could be your voice. You could just do this. Like, just do this, dude. You know what I mean? Um, so, and, and I, I wasn't 100% sure what it was about. It was just like, guys are creeping, but we're gonna be together, and dudes might kill you, but stay woke. I, the most important thing for this one was the groove. Like, honestly, <laughs> like the groove is so tight like dude it don't matter what it's about like for real like let's be real <laughs> you know it, it has it has what parliament basically you know kind of has is like these catchphrases that really grab you and pull you in like the the stay woke dude like that pulls you you know what i mean like that's a big phrase now and he used it in a perfect way that didn't feel forced you know what i mean so yeah like I felt like it it, it kind of works in that way. Like, I would love it if he had a couple of hits off of this album and this led to, you know, this continued the resurgence of sort of funk in a way. I, he's like, he's not, you know, he's not an agent of the funk. He's not uh, 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 necessarily a, an originator of the funk. He's, he's a... He's a godson of the funk in the way. <laughs> yeah, he's a student of the funk. You know what I mean? Uh, he hasn't really gotten the, the blessings of the master, you know, like. But it's like, eh, but Redbone kind of felt like it was going to that potential. Then fucking California comes in 
what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, that song felt like a B-side, where it was like, he's just, like, starting to work on the songs, and he's trying to figure out where his voice is, like, it was like, are you, are you trying to be, like, Jamaican? Is, is someone supposed to be strangling you? Like, what? Like, what the fuck is happening in this song? So, yeah, and, and the funny thing is, like, the song cuts off really fast. Like, he's ashamed of it. Like, he was just like, uh, sorry, I put you through that. Anyway, let's get back to the good stuff. <laughs> and you know, then you have Baby Boy, which is really beautiful. The song about his son. Like, I felt like there was supposed to be more of a narrative with this. Like, it was supposed to be like, I'm having a child, but then, you know, I'm seeing all this horrible shit that's happening around me, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring this child up in this world. You know, that could have been a thing, but I felt like Baby Boy should have been the, 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 the sort of, like, not necessarily the linchpin, but just, like, the point where that all came together, and it became more about, don't take my baby away from me, girl who's breaking up with me, and I don't know, I, maybe it was in Terrified, but I don't really remember that being, like, a key point where he was afraid of, like, his girlfriend leaving him. Um, let me see. I, wait, I think there might have been something about that. Uh, but I thought uh, the bigger point would have been you know, raising a child in this society that's fucking crazy and shit. Like, you know, like, I'm going to try to make things better for you, but I don't know if I can. That would have been a bigger point to play up than, oh, my baby mom is crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, so, I'm going to eat you alive. Please don't find me. And that, also, that was kind of a good line. I'm going to eat you alive. Please don't find me rude, but I don't eat fast food, so don't run from me. that was good that was kind of cute um but yeah and then and then there was the the night me and your mama met which was just like an instrumental it was that one was fucking beautiful did you hear that one i think that was the last one i i only think i missed the last one Uh, stand tall was the last one yeah i think that might have been the only one that i'd missed okay but yeah the night me and your mama met that was a beautiful tune it was really nice and it was just like it, it reminded me, uh, doesn't exactly take the place, but it reminded me of the, um, the Funkadelic track, w- which was just the instrumental, uh, playing the, um, guitar, oh, what was it about it? One where it was like, that's supposed to be about if his mom died, like where George Clinton told him to play the guitar like his mom had died. Oh, and, and I then, have no and idea. End, yeah, and then at the end, like, you find out that she's really still alive and, you know, how it changes stuff. I felt like it was kind of like in that vein. It was really beautiful, sort of instrumental. Then you get Stand Tall, um, which was sort of just sort of blasted through different venues. But I just enjoyed it. Like, I just sat back and I just let it, you know, take me over. And it was the first song that was in his real, real voice. And it was like, I, I don't have that distraction of being like, okay, this sounds like someone else. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, vocally like California can go to hell but I really would have appreciated it if he would if he's gonna do the voice should have stuck with more of the red bone thing or do your own voice like in Stand Tall which was really you know really cool um but yeah I understand how people could consider it sort of uh you know if you're if you're a uh fellow student of the funk you might be like what well, do we don't need this you know we already got you know such and such and and it probably doesn't help that Redbone kind of does sound like, uh, it, like it, it is the most literal derivative sounding, uh, piece since it sounds like, uh, what was the name of that joint? The, 
Uh, I want to be with you. Yeah. You remember that one? The um, <laughs> this is how I'm going to get you to remember this. When we reviewed NWA's second album, uh, uh, and the one with the easy E, I want to fuck you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, originally the Bootsy song is called I'd Rather Be With You, and it has that ah. bum, 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 and I was just like, as soon as I heard that, I was just like, oh, well, you just, like, don't directly sample it, that's, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean, like, uh, you don't want to, do you really want to draw the comparison that close, you know, and then for that to be like, you know, one of the big singles is just kind of like, ooh, that might rub some people the wrong way, you know what I mean? See, I think that very well might be the big difference uh, in how we perceived the album is that I've never been big on Parliament or uh, or Funkadelic. Like, I can casually appreciate what they're putting down, but I could never just sit through an entire album of that because it's just not so much my thing, which is exactly how I took in uh, this album. I appreciate what he's doing, I just didn't, it didn't really stick. It didn't really uh, hit hard with me. What I think I would have appreciated, and you know, whatever, but like, um, remember how like the Beastie Boys were in the 90s? You know, after License to Ill, after Paul's Boutique, either on Ill Communication or Check Your Head, where every couple songs there was like a punk song? Yeah. Like, out of fucking nowhere, it was, like, three rap songs, and there's a rock song out of nowhere. If uh-huh. if songs like these were sprinkled throughout a typical uh, Gambino hip-hop album, I don't think I would have minded so much. But a full album of it was just, like, beating me over the head, and I was just... it was It's not something I was in the right headspace for. And because it isn't really my thing, I don't know if I could be in the right headspace for it. Um, I just don't know if I was convinced uh, by Gambino. Like, like we had said earlier, he's a student of it. You can tell he's definitely uh, drawn some inspirations and influences. But I just don't know if like this is really the thing for him. Um... Like, like there were points that he did very well, but, you know, I, I can't see this being his new thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't he, think he's, he's going to be synonymous. Yeah. yeah, he's not going to be synonymous with this style. Like, people are going to go back to camp. They're going to go back to because of the internet. There will be people. This album will have a cult following, <laughs> no doubt. There definitely will be. It, it'll have its following. It'll have its audience. Um, people will be like, man, I'm really holding out hope for that, you know, follow up that, that spiritual successor to, uh, to awaken my love. But I, I personally am hoping that this is just kind of like a, uh, you know, a slight detour. I don't know. I don't know if we're even going to get a third, um, traditional, uh, Gambino album, because I don't know what he even wants to do these days. If he even wants to put out a, uh, a straightforward hip hop album, or if he just wants to try out different shit. I know he's got the show. I know he's got this. Like he he's he's spreading himself out pretty thin, doing all these other things he wants to do. So you know, whatever. If it doesn't come to fruition, you know, that's whatever. 
because I, I love those first two to listen to. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to cry with everyone at the same time and hope for a new one. Um, <laughs> if we but, all just cry at the same time, Childish Gambino will give us a rap album. Change the world. But, um... <laughs> change yeah. Gambino. <laughs> change Gambino. But, uh, yeah, that's why uh, I personally would go two and a half, three at the most, because I... Because he did it well enough, but I think at the end of the day, if I could find what he was trying to do done better, and I don't think there were anything on this album that, to me, stuck stuck out or stood out to be like, wow, he did that one thing really well. It was all just kind of like impressions. Well, like you said earlier, like he, like he was trying to do, to do a voice, almost like, yeah. like a character. It never really felt like this could be his new thing. Mm. Um, and also like the, like the album cover, right? Like, I, I love the I album saw, cover. Uh, it, the funny thing is, immediately when I saw it, I was just like, hey, that kind of looks like... <laughs> the you know exactly what I'm about to say, right? No. The, the Maggot Brain album cover. Oh, yeah, a little bit. I can see that. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that's what he took inspiration from, but it was just like, it, it sort of felt like uh, a clue as to what he was trying to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Just sort of like the, no, I literally, like, make no mistake. I'm just trying to make their music again. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, and that's cool, but I don't know. You, you think you want to make yourself stand out enough so that that wouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like as an artist, you sure you can draw elements from something, but I don't think you want to be directly derivative of it. That's the picture I'm talking about. Oh yeah, like if you want to remind people of Parliament, that's great. But yeah, you don't want to have those direct connections made. Yeah, and I'll put it to you like this: Parliament used to be a doo-wop group, right? They were doing what everyone else was doing, but then they switched up and created a whole new style. Now. What he's doing is he was doing hip hop. Hey, that's what everyone else is doing. And he wanted to switch up and do a whole new style to this era, but to a past era, it's already been done before. So you're not really following in the vein of them, in the vein of what their reality was, which is that they were doing something starkly different. You're doing something that's still familiar in a way, you know? And that's what I kind of, like, though I appreciate it, I kind of don't like that it's just like, yeah, it's different if you'd never heard it before, but if you have, it kind of feels derivative. And I wish he would have gone further in what he was trying to do. And then, like, like if this ha had been the first draft, you know what I mean? Um, in fact, I kind of I did something similar. A long time ago, I sampled a whole bunch of Gorilla songs, and I made an album with them, but then I was like, Hey, you know, uh, someone was like, hey, you should try to do it without samples because, you know, you don't want your uh, music to be directly, you want, yeah, sure, you can take influence from things, but you don't want, you know, your music to be a footnote of someone else's music. You know what I mean? And so it was like, so I kind of, I, I kind of scrapped it and made, you know, completely new music. Of course, you guys will never hear that album because it fucking sucked. But the point was, <laughs> the point that I took away from that was that like, it's cool to be influenced, but don't be trapped by your influences. And 
I kind of felt like there were still elements where he was kind of trapped by it. And I want to see him flourish and, and truly uh, live out the, the principle, the letter, uh, not the letter of, of uh, what made them influential, which was just their style, but the, the spirit of their, uh, of Prince and, and Parliament, the, the spirit of what they brought to the game when they decided to do a different style of music. You know what I mean? Not just like it, the answer wasn't to just make funk music. The answer was to do something that people hadn't done before, which which to their generation was funk music. But that doesn't have to be that for our generation. It could be something else. And I personally feel like part of that is in hip hop because that is our funk music. That is our new thing. You know what I mean? That is our departure from what the old was, you know? So. I don't know. Personally, I would really love to see him go back to hip hop. I would love to see that spark happen again. Um, but for this as a parliament head, dude, I still dig it. Like, I, I can't lie. I still dig it. But like, like as someone who wants new parliament music, I love it. But as someone who wants new Childish Gambino, I'm just like, is this everything you got? Like, I, I would have loved it if this was like a companion piece to something. You know what I mean? Like, Here's the funkier side of me, and here's like he kind of did with the with the other album. It's like, yo, I still got raps, but there is this other thing that I also want to do as well. It was like, hey, that's cool, that's your passion project, but like, mom, man, I know you've got like that ill shit in you, and I know that you're a smarter MC, and I know that you can lead our current generation of music into a different place instead of regressing them. And I know there's a lot of great elements from that that we shouldn't, you know, take away from, and that's why we have. I mean, uh, you know, fucking to pimp a butterfly. That's where we have great music like Digital Underground. But I think it's good to take elements from them, but not to completely, you know, try to replicate it. And I feel like that's what a lot of people who may be into Parliament may take from this and be like, oh, shit. There's a lot of fucking funk Parliament music. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we're not lacking for a wanting of, funk, uh, of Parliament Funkadelic. Like, we can go find that stuff. It's not like there was only one album, you know? So, uh, but, hey, as a great, like, sort of lead-in for people, I'd say it's good. Um, but, you know, it's not, at the end of the day, it's not about whether or not he is progressing as an artist. It's about whether or not, at the end of the day, it's a good album. So um, for me, at the end of the day, of course, I'm going to be tainted by uh, the things that I like and things like that. Um, so all I can tell you is that I give it a 4.5 out of 5 because I really enjoyed a lot of it. I mean, California can burn in hell. Not literal California. This is fucking song. But, <laughs> um, but everything else feels like it's in its place and everything else feels like it could have done more. Uh, not just stylistically, but also just, um, you know, just expansively. Uh, and I felt like I, I started to get that on Stand Tall. I started to feel like he was going into this weirder direction, but it felt like the rest of the album was when he was still being influenced by Parliament, and Stand Tall when he was, was when he was starting to feel like there was a different direction he could have gone into, but we didn't have time because we already recorded all these other songs. <laughs> and we gotta release those now. Like, I understand you were trying to make this other album that you're kind of feeling now, but uh, we kinda got a uh, we kinda got a schedule to keep, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, if you love the funk, you're gonna love this. Uh, but if you want to hear like him going in a new direction, I, I mean, relative to his other albums, it is a new direction. But 
I kind of liked what he was doing on the uh, the other album, the um, when he was doing the pop songs, but that were oh, kind of sounding uh, like they were going in a, nif- a different direction. The Kawaii, Kawaii, yeah, yeah. It's like I wanted to see him co- sort of expand into that, and and I wanted to see the elements of because the weirder elements of because of the internet sort of like fuse into that, and if that would make its own new unique thing, that would be dope. But I kind of feel like this might be a bit of a step backwards artistically. But as far as enjoying it, I feel like I feel like I can enjoy it all the way through minus track seven, you know. Yeah, I, I recently went back and listened to Kawaii again since our review because that was my god, like two fuck years ago at this point. Um, mm-hmm. and I definitely have a more more of an appreciation now than I did at the time. Still, don't really exactly have one for Stone Mountain. Yeah, <laughs> there's one too many wag fucking joints on that one i know what he was going for you know and it's just again it just wasn't for me like dude you're smarter like you can make better music than this and i know you can you know oh yeah yeah i mean he he's he's an unpredictable dude i remember there was that story uh, a year ago or whatever where he was at that nightclub and it was like in it was in europe i want to say and people got mad at him because he showed up to the show with the royalty click. Oh no, it was supposed to be a royalty show, but the show uh the show promoter said it was gonna be him featuring royalty. Oh, okay. So So, so that was got... just a miscommunication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he only like rapped a couple verses and for the most part he was just like sort of chilling on the sidelines. We were like, what the fuck? Um mm. although I I don't know. I feel like if like, dude, don't act like you don't know that you're the most popular guy in this group. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you think it'd be like on some Michael Jackson shit? <laughs> it's like, yeah, the Jackson Five are there, but yeah, come on. <laughs> so fucking Michael Jackson just sitting on the side. No, he's just gonna let Tito have this one. <laughs> like, are you? Like, no one's looking at Jermaine, dude. <laughs> They're all looking over at you, fucking scrolling through your phone, being like, oh, no, 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 I, I was just waiting for my point. No! I, I, I want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, this fucking his fucking solo, I think he kills it. Michael, no! Here for you, dumbass. <laughs> no, but, um, like I said, I have a lot of respect for the dude. And and I do have respect for whatever he puts out, even if it isn't exactly my thing. So I can't hate on it too much. Um, more than likely, we'll go back and listen to it periodically, maybe not in, in its entirety, just like song by song here and there. Because um, I think I really think that's what killed it for me was that it was way too much, even though it was only 50 minutes or so. But like a whole thing of just that for me was a bit of overkill. But if it was sprinkled out throughout other things, maybe like uh, do that Spotify like this is Gambino playlist where like it's all of his shit just hit randomize or whatever. And every so often you get a song from this and it's like, oh, yeah. And maybe on its own, you know, I might have a different appreciation for it. but. You know, it's whatever. They can they can't all be fucking because of the internet, which I still holds in such in such regard. But uh, with that said, folks, uh, thank you very much for checking us out. Thank you very much to Marvelous Mike sitting in on the recording session this week. Check out all our past episodes if this is the first episode uh, you've checked out, and uh, tell your friends if you liked it. We could always use some more off goers checking us out, spreading the word around. All that good stuff. For the Going Off podcast for this week, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic.
Auf Wiedersehen. Wiedersehen.